0: going on so we're just going to focus on a couple of little bits and just skim over a lot of it so maybe when you go home today you might want to read over that passage and get the whole picture but uh, I think what's going on here as Jesus is on this journey with the people uh, it's a powerful one so we want to spend some time just thinking about that how about we pray before we look at God's word dear father we do thank you that you do speak to us that you do look upon us and you do love us Lord thank you for Jesus and for him coming to us, revealing himself to us, but also revealing the way to the kingdom, the way into your family, the way for eternity. So Lord, we pray as we reflect reflect on that this morning, that you would speak to us, that you would soften our hearts, open our ears and open our eyes, Lord, so that we might see you clearly. Amen. It was about 10 years ago... Uh, we had an interesting experience. We went on a family road trip. We went up to Cairns, you know, all around the Great Barrier Reef and uh, around Green Island is up there. Now as we were going up there, uh, we stayed with a family, some friends of ours who were involved with a sports and fitness centre and in that sports and fitness centre they sponsored this event on Green Island. It was a uh, beach volleyball competition. And I was like, I don't know whether I want to go into a beach volleyball competition. We're on holidays. And they said, oh, no, come on. We'll, we need numbers for a team. Come on, the team. There's a uh, free trip to Green Island, which is Green Island. It's pretty nice, right? Free trip to Green Island. Yeah, oh, yeah, that, that might be all right. They said there's, uh, there's uh, $1,000 prize money. It was about a substantial prize money. I'm like, yeah, now I'm interested. So we joined this team, Scratch Up, Tim and I, the kids, 10 years ago, the kids, and uh, a few other kids and adults made up this mixed team to go on to this uh, to play this game. We have got on, all the contestants gathered, there's about 10 teams, and here, yes, the winner takes all, $1,000. And for the losing team, we've got this wooden spoon. It's like, yeah, who's going to play for the wooden spoon? Yeah, but no, it's a special wooden spoon. It's um, Green Island, if you didn't know, it's a national park. If you go to Green Island, the only way to and from is by ferry. And if you're going on the ferry away from Green Island, because it's a national park, if you get caught with any taking any coral, any... Um, shells or anything like that you can get into a lot of trouble you can't take stuff on green island Uh, so they said we've got this wooden spoon handcrafted out of a tree that has grown on green island it's got oh that's interesting I want the $1,000. We're going for the $1,000. Come on, kids, we need $1,000. Now, uh, as we're playing these competitions, and I think we're about one win out of five or something, we thought, statistically, if we win all our games from here, we could make the finals. Yeah, we could still do this. But realistically, it's not going to happen, is it? How about we go for the wooden spoon? That sounds pretty pretty sweet so now the competition changes instead of winning every game to try and get the thousand dollars that was out of our reach and out of our ability to let's be serious uh, we couldn't do that okay this is all right and it worked out the last game of the day was a playoff between the two bottom teams us and another team Another mixed team, adults and kids. And you can see what was going on, right? The kids are like, the kids are competitive. They want to do their best, and you don't want to dishearten them from doing that. But the adults are like, come second last, nothing. Come last, we'll at least get something right. So all of a sudden, you can see the adults probably not trying as hard as they could. Uh, But who was going to win? Who was going to win the wooden spoon? I mean, it's a place of honour, right? And uh, let me share with you. We won. Our team won. Let me show you. This is wooden spoon from Green Island. No one can take anything from Green Island, but yet here before your very eyes, a wooden spoon, a timber from Green Island that I got legally uh, because we won. As far as I was concerned, we had to lose to win. Actually, it says on here, volleyball team 2008 wooden spoon, losers. But <laughs> we had to lose a lot to win the prize. Right? To win, we had to. We had to be good losers to do that. And it's kind of like, I'm still trying to work out, did we actually win or did we lose? Or should I be celebrating that or should I be ashamed of that? What is the deal? Are we winners or losers? But it's kind of like, the more I think about that, and it does sit on my trophy shelf at home that you know, I am proud of, but it's kind of like when I get into Mark and you see the different stories going on, are people winning or losing? Because we want to be good, we want to we have success, we want to you know, have the top spot... But when we see what's going on, Jesus is like turning everything upside down. Are people winning or losing? And for us, asking the questions, and this is the way Mark writes his story. Whatever Mark goes into, Jesus talking to his disciples or Jesus talking to the crowd, particularly when he's talking to the crowd, he's inviting you in. So listen to the conversations, watch and learn, see what's going on. And as we're doing this, uh, there's four stories in the rest of this chapter from what we had read and following we see the rich man is a success. He's a winner, right? But he walks away sad. He's a loser. After that, if, if you've got your Bible open, you can see just by the, by the headings, but if you haven't, that's okay. Uh, Jesus heads off to Jerusalem. This is a worry because Jesus is in the top of his game. He's got a big following, big crowds coming in, walking into Jerusalem. He's doing lots of amazing things, but everybody's worried and afraid, they use. The crowd is afraid because Jesus is going to Jerusalem where the Jews want to kill him. And where do the Jews live? In Jerusalem. Jesus mustn't know that, but he actually does. He tells his disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be handed over, I'm going to be abused and killed, but I'm going to rise again. But he's going from winner to loser. After that, we see uh, James and John. uh, um, It's James and John. The two two disciples come up to Jesus and say, Look, actually, now we see things are coming to a head and you're going to have the main place of honour. We want to sit in your left and right. We want to be the next best seats of honour. We want to be winners. We want to be seen in your glory as well. And what does Jesus reply? It's a long reply, but basically says, If you want the glory, if you want to be in the top position, if you want success, You've got to become servants of all. He even says you've got to be slaves of all. The first will be last and the last will be first. Looks like they want to be winners, but to do that, you've got to be losers. Don't get it. It's confusing. But then we get the last story in this chapter about a blind man, which he's got nothing to offer. He's a loser in society, but yet Jesus says he's got true faith and gets healed and and blessed through that. So he's a loser, but he comes out a winner. There's a whole lot of things that don't make sense in this passage until we really pull it apart and go, Jesus has got this upside down view of the world, or maybe he's uh, got a right way of view of seeing the world because he's got a good view of the kingdom of God, but he's helping us see. Maybe our view is upside down. What does success really look like? What does it mean to have security in life, to know that your future is secure? See, it's the disciples asking those questions. It's the crowd asking those questions. And Mark's inviting us as we get into the story that they're actually good questions to ask. What does it look like to have success in this world, but also security, that that success, success leads to security that's going to give you eternity? What is that all about? So actually, these, what's going on here? It's really important that we get our heads around and not just walk away. This is just upside down. We first meet the rich man in verse 17. We had it read for us earlier, where he runs to Jesus and he falls at Jesus' feet. You know, the crowd's all around, the disciples all around, everybody's watching. And this man runs. You don't hear that very often somebody running but this man a rich man running to jesus there's a sense of urgency there's a burning question that he's got to ask jesus he falls at jesus feet on his knees out of a matter of respect he's not just going to get in jesus face but he's respectfully i've got something to ask you jesus there's a matter of urgency a burning question an important question on his mind and what is that big question it goes into verse 18 uh when when he calls Jesus the, the good teacher and uh, Jesus says, oh, sorry, first of all, he says, a good teacher, what do, you do, what do I have to do to inherit the kingdom of God? I mean, it's a good question, isn't it? He's a rich man, so he's, got, he's fairly successful. He's got security worked out. He doesn't have to worry about what he's going to eat tomorrow. It sounds like that's all worked out. But what about after tomorrow? What about into eternity? What must I do to secure my place into eternity? Jesus comes back at him, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Basically saying, you know, it's a good thing you've come to the right person to ask because if you're going to ask God about somebody about eternity, you want to ask God. She's so like, yep, yeah, you've got me. But it's a good question. And then he rattles off, um, rattles off what he has to do. So as we see what he's doing in verse 21, as Jesus says, look, here's all the stuff you've got to do, and he's... Basically rattles off the law. Sorry, the verse before that. When he talks about, uh, have, you, have you done enough? Have you done all the good things? No one is good except God alone. You're asking me, this is good. You know the commands. You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. And we're a part of the crowd listening to this. And we're like going, that's my question. I want to know how to get to eternity. I've got to go through the list. I shall not murder. I shall not commit adultery. I shall not steal. How are you holding up? So your faces. Looking good so far, hopefully, that you haven't done those things. Uh, You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. So you haven't told any lies to anybody. Maybe that crosses uh, me and a few others on the list that maybe we're not living up to uh, God's standards. But then honour your father and mother. So how many of us are thinking we're so confident now? Yeah, eternity's ours, we've made it. But yet for him, he goes, teacher, he says, I know the law. And all these things I've kept, I've done all this stuff. Now, we're not told he's changed. He's probably still down on his knees looking up at Jesus, going, with a positive look on his face. He's going, yeah, I've done all this stuff. Now, part of us, I think, want to go, you arrogant little so-and-so, right? This rich, snotty-nosed kid comes up to Jesus. Look, I've done all this stuff. But I think that's reading that through our 20th century eyes, 21st century eyes. 21st century eyes that uh that's actually this is a good guy he is the success story you know in the newspaper sometimes you get the newspaper and it on the front page it's got somebody who's really made it somebody who's a success somebody you want to aspire to somebody that yeah you know, they're encouraging you i want to be like this guy this is the guy they'd put on the front page he's successful so he's wealthy he's he's done well in the business world uh He's polite and respectful. He comes up to Jesus on his knees, good teacher. He's also uh, very obedient, very trustworthy. This is a guy you want to be friends with because you trust him with anything. Trust him with your money, trust him with your possessions, trust him with your secrets. Like, he's a good guy. And now, we see even... He even, trusts his, he even obeys his parents. How good is that? He's the sort of guy you'd put up in the newspaper and you'd show your kids, see, you need to be more like him. He's a good guy. But now we see Jesus' response. Everybody's uh, going, this is a good guy. He's got his act together. If he's talking about getting into eternal life, surely he's got a good chance, right? Many of us might be ruled out. He's got a good chance. But on the other hand, other people have come up to Jesus in confidence. Many of the Pharisees were very confident in their questions of Jesus and what did Jesus do to them? He rips them apart, he tears, he gets in their face and he argues with them, he teaches them about the law. We saw it last week talking about marriage and divorce, he's really showing the Pharisees a lesson. So part of us are thinking yeah these tall poppies they come in, Jesus is going to take him down, let's see what Jesus is going to do. Could go either way. But what are we told Jesus does in verse 21 and this is This little bit, probably one of the most powerful verses, at least in this chapter, if not the whole of Mark. We're expecting Jesus to either take him on or do something else. He does the the something else. Jesus looks at him. So you get this picture of the man. He's on his knees in front of Jesus. The crowd is around him. They're all watching and listening. And what's Jesus going to say to him? He's going to rip into him. What's he going to do? But when it says Jesus looks at him, sort of means, of course he can see him, but he comes down to him. Jesus comes down and looks at him in the face, looks at him eye to eye. And you know when that sort of... There's something about talking to somebody face to face, looking eye to eye, that sense of intimacy, that sense of they're hearing my story, they're understanding me, they know what's on my heart. I and mean, we see it all the time when we sit down with a coffee with somebody. Yes, there is that level of intimacy. And we're even told that Jesus looked at at him and loved him. See, this is significant. Did you know in the whole Gospel of Mark, he doesn't throw that word around. In fact, this is the only time Mark says that Jesus loved somebody specifically. He uses the word love. Uh, God the Father says, this is my son whom I love, talking uh, talking about Jesus. Uh, There's lots of talking about the law, you must love your neighbour as yourself. Lots of use of love that way. But even last week, when Jesus had the little children come to him, it never said Jesus loved the children. It wasn't that explicit. We're never told that Jesus loves his disciples. Mark doesn't use those sort of words lightly. But yet here, Jesus comes down to him, looks him in the face and loved him. See, I think we need to take a fresh look at this story. If you've always had this story and go, yeah, the rich young punk being told off and told to go away. No, this is the guy we actually want to be. Rich, successful. He's got security. he yeah, doesn't have to worry about tomorrow. He's got no worries in the world. He's not rejected by Jesus. He's loved by Jesus. How good is that? Wish I was this guy at this point in time. I wish I was him. But in that sense of intimacy, when this man's down on his knees asking Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus comes down to his level. And you can imagine, if he put his arm around him, it wouldn't be out of place. But he looks him in the eye and says, there's one thing you must do. Like, you're almost there, but there's just one more. Sell everything you own. Give it away. Give it away to the poor. Then you'll have real treasures in heaven, real success, real security. Give all your stuff away and then come and follow me. Trust in me, not your stuff. And In that moment of intimacy, when they're on their knees, face to face, Jesus loves the guy. He's not saying it in a judgmental way. He loves the guy. The crowd all watching, what's going on? What does the guy do at this point? He drops his face his face he can't even look at Jesus in the face anymore he drops his face and then goes away sad walks away sad he's grieved you think that if you've worked hard all your life you've built up stuff you're good businessman you're successful you've got security you don't have to worry about tomorrow give it up sell it give it away so you've got nothing. And when you've got nothing, then you'll know how to follow me and to trust in me. That's a big call. It's a very big call that Jesus is saying to him. And we need to feel the weight of that. We could say, well, you know, he's a rich guy, he must love his money. He should give it up. He should give it up. You know, he's just a typical rich, greedy man. He can't. He wants to hang on to it. But it's much deeper than that. See, money is a sign of success. You know, he's worked hard, he's done good deals, you know, good on him. It is a sign of success. But it's much more than that. His wealth is a sign of security. What is it going to happen tomorrow? Well, that's all right. I know where my food's coming from. I know my housing is secured. I know I'll be okay. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And we're the same. We want to be in his position, right? This is why we all go to school, get a good education. We might get degrees. We want to get a better job so we can get a better income because we want not only success, look at what I've done or look at what I've got, but we want the security that it leads from. It's like we want to put ourselves in the best position so we've got no worries in the world. I know where my food's coming from tomorrow. I know I have shelter. I know it'll be okay. Tomorrow, 10 years after that, no one chooses to be poor. No one chooses to be poor. To know, to not know where's my food coming from tomorrow. When, pe- when we look at poor people, we often see them as a failure, especially if they were rich and then they've crashed and burned and become poor. We go, they're a failure in society. They've messed up somewhere. They're probably not trustworthy now. We look down upon them. The thought of doing that is crazy. It's foolish for him to make that decision in the way we think. See, in every stage of life, we want to put ourselves into a better position. I want to put myself in a good position, uh, so when I get married or when I have kids, I can provide. Them. I want to have the house, or when we get to middle age or older age, I want security to know in my old age I'll be secure. I'm not going to be left on the street. We want that sort of security, but he's asked to give it up. Now, do we want to be in this man's shoes? What would you do if you come before Jesus, good teacher, and he says, give it all away, give it all away and follow me? It's a big call, even if heaven depended on it. Would you walk away not knowing what will happen tomorrow? I reckon if we did a bit of a survey, who would be prepared to do this? My gut feeling is, if you're at the younger end of the scale, generally speaking, if you're at the younger end of the scale, go, well, I'll... I'm happy to do that. I'll give it all away and follow Jesus. Because I actually haven't got that much stuff, to be honest. Uh, If we're middle age, you might have a hex debt or something like that. Have that, Jesus. But if you're middle age, it's similar. Well, you know, I've got some stuff. Yeah, that'd be sad to get rid of, but I've got a mortgage as well. You can have it all. Take it away. But if we get older, we get more stuff, we get more security. We've been working towards this all our lives and, and we want security in our older age. It does become harder. The more stuff we have, the harder it is to just give it all away and to trust Jesus. Jesus knows it's hard. So he goes on in verse 23 when Jesus says, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. See, Jesus knows our love in this, this world, in this earthly nature of ours we want the stuff because stuff might just might look like the appearance of success but it's definitely giving us security and we want to cling on to that the more stuff we have the more stuff we can trust that i'll be okay tomorrow and the harder it is to let it go how hard it is to let it go the more security we have to trust somebody like jesus This is a shocking story, and we should be shocked because we want to be that guy. We want to be comfortable. We want to have success. We want security. But to give it up to follow Jesus, it's shocking. And then we go on to see the disciples are amazed. Not just amazed, wow, this is prophetic, but confused. They're amazed. Why is Jesus saying this? This is crazy. It's upside down thinking. Then Jesus tells a story about it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples are even more amazed. Well, who can enter the kingdom of God if this guy can't do it? So there's something else going on in this Jewish culture, and it's very common in our Christian cultures too, that, uh, that we think, tend to think or the Jewish culture extremely thought that if you were wealthy if you had lots of stuff lots of assets if you were wealthy that meant God was pleased with you so God was blessing you and God would affirm you in that and give you lots of stuff like rewards but if you were poor you were cursed by God God was not pleased with you so he's holding his blessings back he's not giving you that now for this man who's wealthy obviously smart comfortable successful but everybody would look at him and go god must be pleased with him but jesus say no actually i'm going to flip that on its head and go no your wealth is a curse not your wealth is a blessing your wealth is a curse to you and it's going to be harder for you to enter the kingdom of god now one of the disciples are amazed who can enter the kingdom of god who can do that if this is if this guy can't do it he's so successful who can be saved? Jesus replies, "What is impossible for man is po- what is impossible for man is possible for God." It's like, well, if anybody can get through the eye of the needle, God can. God can make it happen. God's in control. Peter then looks on the bright side. Pete's a bit of an op- optimistic. Peter, the disciple basically says, well, we've given everything up to follow you. You know, it's easy for us to follow you because we're a poor fishermen and we just left that behind anyway. So we've given it all up to follow you. Look at us, we're, we must be all right. And Jesus goes on to explain, yeah, you are right. And for that, uh, he starts talking about the new kingdom, how you receive a hundred times more than what you've given up. And he lists things like, yeah, it might be houses and property that you might be giving up, but also might be family members, that might turn away from you and give up. You'll receive a hundred times more in the new kingdom, he goes on to say. He's redefining this success. Success is what we have now, but he's saying, no, success is what is in the unseen, in the new kingdom. You can't see it yet, but it's there, and you will be blessed through that. And that's really hard to see, isn't it? A hundred times more than what we're prepared to give up now. See, we look at the losing side of things now, Look at all the things I've given up. I've given up this job because it didn't suit me on Sundays. I've given up these working hours. I've given up uh, my free time to serve. I've given up my money and my giving for generosity. I've given up so much and I'm missing out and it hurts. But Jesus is saying, yes, give it up because there's rewards in heaven. Your treasures will be in heaven. A hundred times more, he says, but we can't see it. It's hard, isn't it? Give up what we see to find security, to find success in what we can't see? Would you give it up if you were there with Jesus, if you were that man? Would you walk away, sell everything, follow Jesus down the road like a nomad with nothing? What would it look like to give it all away and follow Jesus? we actually meet another another man. He's a blind beggar, Bartimaeus. Uh, it's down in verse 46. Jesus again uh, comes in. They're, they're walking into this town. They came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, that's us. We're in this story again. So we're watching, we're learning, we're finding out. And we've still got this question about the kingdom of God how to enter it. While they are leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Now we've just met a rich man who was running to Jesus with his urgent question, bowing before him. Now we see a blind man who's got nothing. In fact, he's not running to Jesus. He's just sitting on the side of the road. So if The rich man's up here, sitting on the side of the road. He's down here. He's got nothing. He's begging for other people to help him because he's got nothing. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. Jesus son of David have mercy on me. He knows something. He knows something. The rich man might come up to Jesus and say good teacher. He knows there's something about Jesus. Is he God or at least sent from God? This guy knows something that nobody else knows. It seems to. He's shouting. He wants attention. It was Jesus of Nazareth. There's something special about him. Son of David, I know the Old Testament prophecy that the Messiah is going to come from the line of David. Son of David, have mercy on me. How did people take that? Did they listen to him? What? This is Son of David. This is the new Messiah. We're going to fight. You know, what is this? No, they hushed him up. They rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. This is my hope. This is my security. This is the one I'm going to put my trust in. We're told Jesus stopped and said, call him. There's an invitation. There's an invitation, come over. So they called the blind man. See, sitting so far away, he didn't even hear Jesus' words, Jesus' invitation to come on over. Other people had to tell him, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. So he gets to come over, get closer to Jesus because of the crowd. This is again, another significant verse, verse 50. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Why is that significant? We'll come back to a minute. But what does Jesus do? Verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, which just means teacher, I want to see. Go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road couple of questions here. How come this guy is credited having real faith and the rich guy didn't? Yeah, Jesus said, yeah, sell your stuff, go and do this and follow me. Where, where this guy, Jesus says, now you've got faith. What was so special about his faith? What was this big thing that we can learn, particularly in contrast to the rich man? Now, if we go back to 50 how he throws his cloak aside and he jumps to his feet and runs to Jesus. Now, if you're a beggar, how are you going to beg for money? And if you've been in the city, sometimes you see this, where, where guys and girls will um, get their coat, because that's all their possessions most of the time, is their coat, keep them warm at night. They'll lay it on the ground and they'll sit on their coat, but also have it laid out in front of them, because their coat was a way of begging and people would drop their money. You'd drop your money into the coat so they can collect them. That's his... That's his security. That's his source of income. How's he going to eat tomorrow from the generosity of others? While I'm begging, whatever gets thrown into my coat, I know I can eat tomorrow. So whether it's or not it's his only possession, the fact that he throws it aside... Is saying something. He doesn't just, oh, he, he forgot his coat and went to Jesus or he left his coat and followed. He throws his coat Jesus. This is the means. This is his security. This is a way he's going to eat tomorrow for his coat. Maybe even the way he's going to sleep tonight in warmth because of his coat. But why is he throwing his coat away? I don't need that anymore. I've got Jesus. I'm running to Jesus, son of David. I'm going to him. He's going to answer my... He hasn't even spoken to Jesus yet. He doesn't even, doesn't even know Jesus is going to heal him. But he has so much faith that Jesus will change the world for him. He throws his coat to the side. I don't need to depend on, on charity anymore or my, my security that way. I've got a better security in Jesus. So he throws his coat aside, jumps up and goes to Jesus. So when Jesus heals his sight, the miracle is not really about the sight. Well, that's a great miracle. But it's a great act of faith. I'm going to let go of everything that I had. Might let go of my success. How successful was he? Well, he didn't have that much success. He was a beggar. How much security did he have? Well, what little he had, he threw behind and let go. And he came to Jesus, got the miracle. And what did he do after that? Did he go home a happy man? No. He followed Jesus. He gave what he had away and started following Jesus. Now, in case we missed it, this is something that the, the rich man couldn't do. He couldn't give away his stuff. He couldn't trust in Jesus for his future. Now, for the blind man to do that, that's faith. To say, I'm willing to give my security, my success, everything I have away, and to follow you is life-changing. It's credit to him has real faith to do that. Now, if you're like me, you're kind of thinking, that's not real fair, is it? It's not fair. The rich guy, the successful guy, the guy that's worked hard in this world has to give away so much stuff. He's been asked by Jesus to do so much more than a poor beggar. The poor beggar's got it easy, really, leaves his coat behind and says, I'm going to trust in you, Jesus. And and he's got genuine faith. It is so much easier. And you're right. You're right. This is why Jesus says that it's hard. It's impossible. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God because they can't let it go. They can't fully trust in Jesus. It is harder. The more stuff you have, the more security you've got, the more precious you are, it's harder to let go. And trust in him. Now at this point we should realise, is he just talking about money? No. You can't just easily say it's it's rich and poor. But it's anything you look to for security, for identity, for success, for security, and often we do that in a whole bunch of different ways. For the rich man, it was his wealth was his security. But Jesus goes on to say, you know, you're gonna lose your house, your property, but you're also gonna lose family members before you're rewarded in the kingdom of God there's other things so we can't just say rich aren't going to enter the kingdom of God because we know there are wealthy people who aren't clinging to to their possessions but they're clinging to Jesus we know that to be a fact but we also know for a fact they're poor people who cling to their coats cling to whatever they don't you touch that because that's my tomorrow and not trust Jesus as well so it's not really about your bank balance But Jesus actually pushes the button because for most of it, it is about our bank balance. We're very precious about that. But the invitation still stands. The invitation to the rich man was, look, you're this close. There's just one more thing. I'm not saying the eternal life's out of question, but sell your stuff. Let go of that stuff and follow me. Trust me. There's an invitation for him, an invitation that was, he just couldn't accept. He couldn't take up. The invitation for the, for the uh, beggar to come and come listen to me let me heal you and the trust and the faith that was involved in that but when Jesus invites us to trust in him trust me let go of the stuff of this world I know you can see it I know it looks precious and I saw I know it looks inviting to have that security in that but I'm inviting you to a new kingdom that's not only going to have you treasures in heaven it's going to reward you a hundred times over but that's the better idea of success. That's the better idea of security and I know we can't see it, it's an upside down way of thinking but Jesus says this is what the kingdom is like. It's a matter of Jesus saying trust me in this new kingdom, trust is faith, have faith in me that he's going to do that and that's the big challenge for us to faith. We're going to be celebrating Lord's Supper in a moment. And this is where I want you to think about what does it mean to let go of our old self and cling to the cross? Cling to what Jesus did on the cross. Because it's through the cross is what Jesus does to get that camel through the eye of the needle. So Jesus says in verse 27 uh, when he looked at the disciples, when they're puzzled and amazed, you know, what is going on? Who can enter the kingdom of God? And he says, with man. This is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. How's God going to get this camel through the eye? How's God going to do the impossible to bring people into the kingdom of God? But then as he goes in, he marches into Jerusalem. When he marches into Jerusalem, everybody else is going, what, are you crazy? You're going to be killed. He says, actually, I know I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be abused and I'm going to die on a cross. Jesus was up here position of success it's going to become the position of a servant a slave to give his life to that but he's going to rise again bit later on the story when when the disciples are arguing about who's going to sit in the left and the right jesus described about this upside down for the greatness you've got to become a slave you've got to become a slave of all and he says in verse 45 for even the son of man talking about himself did not come to be saved, come to be served as a position of greatness, but he's come to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, through Jesus. For, for us, he's turning his life upside down. He's successful. He could have a good career in being a good public speaker and good religious leader. But no, he says, I'm going to become a servant for all people and give myself for that. And he's showing us that you could say the faith that he has in the father's plan that he will rise again he will be lifted up in glory all the things we've been singing about this morning but he does that to say look i've come out the other end when we see the risen jesus we know we can trust him we can trust him with our lives now our lives in the future we can trust him for all eternity that we can trust him are we going to take that invitation I invite you in just a few moments to come forward uh, if, if you want to trust in Jesus. If you want to trust in Him for your success in the new kingdom, for your security in the new kingdom. If you want to trust in Him, we need to come forward and, and take the bread and the juice from the tables. But as you do it, are you prepared to leave your seat? Leave your seat. Going, I'm going to leave what I have behind. Just as a symbolic way of thinking. Whatever you're trusting is it your money? Is it your wealth? is it your superannuation all those things you trust am i willing to to stop trust i'm not saying get rid of it as soon as you walk out here and sell it and whatever but maybe that is the case but am i going to stop trusting in that and putting my hope in that and finding security in that and put all my hope in jesus and the cross and what he's got planned for me in eternity are we going to do that So I'm going to invite you, uh, I'm going to pray first, and then invite you to come if you want to grab the bread and the juice. We do this as a church family. So grab the bread and the juice, come, uh, take it back to your seat so we can eat and drink together. Because that's what families do, they have meals together. If there's somebody around you having trouble coming out the front of elderly uh, or whatever, uh, you might offer to come and uh, get a serving for them as well. But as we do it, I I do want you to think through. When I do this, I'm not just grabbing a juice and a bit of bread. But i'm actually saying i want to trust in you and want to leave everything behind let me pray first dear father we thank you for your great love for us that you sent your son jesus to come to us to in a sense to look in our faces to know us to have compassion on us we thank you for his love for us in words and in actions that through going to the cross And coming out the other side to be resurrected from the grave. He showed us we can trust in you. But Lord, we confess to you now that it is hard to trust in you. It's hard to let go. It's very inviting. It's nice to have lots of stuff. It's nice to have a good plan for my future. It's nice to have security. But Lord, we know in this world, nothing is secure. It all rusts and rots away lord thank you for this vision of eternity that when we trust in you that you will bless us a hundred times over that you will see success as in the new kingdom that you'll see security in the new kingdom lord help us to see that help us to cling to you and your words and what you did on the cross for us now we pray in jesus name amen